This is a post-Christian podcast. Hello. Good morning, everyone. There's always a little delay when you start. Today, we um, have Amanda, my lovely wife, and part of Revolution Church Community, um, doing the doing all the comments and uh, everything like that. Um, I here in the Twin Cities, m- among like other states and cities, are doing kind of a partial lockdown. So we are trying to respect everyone and not get anyone um, our germs and vice versa. So I just that's why Curtis isn't here, but he'll be back hopefully next week. Um, but Amanda, I think you're gonna, you know, do just just well. So if anybody who's um, tuning in, just send your comments. Um, you know, as we go, as we talk, as as we go through the comments, and she will read them at the end. If we have no comments, then so be it. Um, I just wanna. I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. Um, for people who celebrate Thanksgiving, I know it can be a very um, difficult time being in the holiday spirit with people. Not everyone has family or not everyone has family that they're close to. But wherever you are at or whatever you were doing, I just um, hope that um, you had a good time. Hopefully no one did any Black Friday shopping or if you did, that you did it online um that's what we did um just picked up one thing and found something online that i wanted picked it up there we go that was good um yeah so just checking in hope everyone is doing pretty good um as always if you guys have any comments questions about whatever i say um here just feel free to throw it in the comments and we'll uh, say what they are or read them if you want to just say hi, that's cool too. And even if it's not during this live stream, but sometime throughout the week, you want to say hello, drop a drop a question or whatever. I check this pretty much every day. So just let me know um, all that. And yeah, um, kind of like what we started a week or two ago. I know we do this on Sacred Collective, but you know what? We're a church and... We can do what we want in this type of church, um, church, whatever you want to call this, live streaming, online, whatever. Um, I want to give some recommendations that I think is really, really cool. Things that, um, you know, maybe not everyone would like, but I think nonetheless, it would be something that um, it'd be kind of cool if you have free time. You know, some of us are in lockdown, so we might have more time to... um, to do whatever. So two things that I want to do um, to recommend. One is this show called Lovecraft Country. It's on HBO. Um, so I know not everyone has HBO. Uh, but it's a show. I read the book. The book was written a few years back. But it takes place back in the 50s, it, predominantly in Chicago, but um, kind of jumps all over the, the country. Um, and it has to deal uh, with race, with racism in, in the 50s. Um, the Pretty much all the main characters are African-American. But what's really cool about this it, is it 
um, it talks about race, but it's also the backdrop. It's a sci-fi show. It's like, and also horror. So it encapsulate encapsulates horror, racism, sci-fi, um, into a really, really fantastic, um, show. I highly recommend it. If any of you are into that, um, pick up the book, read it first. Lovecraft country. I think it came out like 2016, um, so it's pretty cool, pretty awesome. I will say that the other one, um, this book kind of came under fire and for the author's views on transgender, um, transgenderism. And so I'm not a fan of her bec- of that, of her view, but many of you know that, uh, JK Rowling has a, um, has a murder mystery kind of detective novels, um, under her pen name, Robert Galbraith. And um, her new book is called Troubled Blood. It's this huge 900-page deep, deep dive murder mystery. Um, It's a fantastic book. If you love murder mysteries, like I said, I don't agree with all her views. Um, They're not something that I I appreciate. But she is a very, very, very good writer. Um, Chapters are short, so if you only have like, oh, I only have 20 minutes, you can get through I finished it over this Thanksgiving break. So if you're really into reading, pick that up. If you have downtime, it's really, really good. Anyway, enough of me talking um, about about that. Uh, feel free, like if you said, if you want to know what those are, um, you know, those recommendations later. If you came in late, let me know. However, this, this sermon that I'm going to give, I'm not really going to call it a sermon. It's going to be a talk. Um, because I'm not really dealing with scripture this week. I'm not really dealing with uh, this touchy-feely Jesus stuff today. It's not that I don't want to. Um, and it is the first Sunday on the church calendar of Advent. You know, four weeks from now, it'll be Christmas. And and, and that's fine. Um, but I feel like a lot of us who watch this or are part of it who grew up in the church we know all about advent we know all about christmas we know all about this this time of the year this time of the season and that's fine um as i've said before there's going to be some sermons or talks that i give that you might be like oh this is fantastic this is great this might be one that you don't like and that's fine this you know i part of doing revolution is um knowing my audience knowing who watches who wants to be a part of this and I know not everyone that watches this are, are Christians, and we, you know, even if you're not a person of faith, we still think we're still very, very thankful for your watching this, for being part of this community. Um, I want to respect everyone's views. I know that's what we all are a part of in Revolution. I know Jay and Caleb are with Revolution Seattle. We are here too with Revolution Church Minneapolis. Um, we just want to encapsulate all the thought um, that people may have. Um, this is going to be part one of a two-parter of what I'm going to talk. Um, this is called Atheism and Beyond. We're going to not do a deep dive, but we're going to talk about atheism. Um, and this is, isn't going to be like, um, Atheism 101. This is going to be, uh, this is going to be taken from a dear, dear friend of mine. And I guess I'll just give him his due right now. My friend Josh DeKaiser, um, who's a dear, dear friend of mine, um, met him back in seminary um, all these years ago. 
and he's actually overseas. He lives in the Netherlands, and he's writing some very, very phenomenal um, work on the intersections of like radical theology, um, God after God, um, just deep kind of philosophical and religious stuff. So we're going to, I told him earlier this week, I wanted to use his, um, what he wrote, this this two or three page essay on on atheism and beyond as, as like a two part thing for a sermon. And he thought that would be a great idea and was honored to do that. So I'm going to jump in to do this. It might be a little heady. Uh, it's not a feel-good, rah-rah, you know, hit you in the, all the feels. But it's something that I think is important and interesting for us um, for us to deal with, for us to understand. So the first question I have, I'm not saying people have to write back. If you want to write on the comments, that's great. But the question that Josh starts out with, and I want to say to you guys as well, is, is there something beyond atheism? When we look at atheism, most people look at, obviously, theism is a belief in a God. Christianity's believe in Jesus. Atheism is the negation of a belief in a God. So what Josh is proposing, what I would propose to you watching, who may be agnostic or atheistic, is there something beyond atheism? Is there something beyond, um, beyond God? beyond the the unbelief or disbelief in a god. So let that be food for thought. Um Josh writes uh in the beginning of his in his beginning of this essay which I think is really great. Atheism is a state of adolescence rebellion when it comes to breaking free from various versions of the state religious of Christendom. And I'm going to read a little bit more from that because it's really good. Um, So I'm reading it off my phone. So if you see my head going down, I apologize. Um, Yeah, so so if I'm not saying I, if I say I, it's not me. It's from this this paper. Uh, Since atheism is in a state of adolescence rebellion... When it comes to breaking free from the various versions of the state religion of Christendom, something more is needed. The antithesis begs for a subulation of a new synthesis. And I, this was Josh saying, am not trying to portray atheists either as secret Christians on the one hand or immature thinkers on the other. Far from it, but from the perspective of culture, there is a lot to say for this analysis. So that my, I don't want anyone right now to think, oh my gosh, you know, Brian or this Josh person is trying to say that atheists are childish or immature. Not at all. Not on the contrary. It's just saying that this narrative, we get caught up in these narratives of and labels of I'm a Christian, so this is what this means. I'm an atheist, so this is what this means. And it's just saying that he's saying that the core crux of atheism in its thought process is is this surely rebellious act a lot of people who are atheists you go back growing up and it's this um they were raised in the church they went to bible college or seminary and it's just this rejection of that this rejection of like all the stuff about jesus didn't make sense to me i don't like it it's dumb whatever your reasons are that's great but what Josh is saying, and, and when I'm 
gravitating towards is just having that mindset is kind of, kind of, um, kind of, um, adolescent kind of not immature, but not all there. It's not a fully matured statement of understanding or belief in that. Not saying that atheism is wrong. If someone wants to believe in that, they're a hardcore atheist. Great. You do you. But it's just saying, let's not get caught up. Atheism is still uh, a hat uh, that people wear. Atheism is is a belief system that says there is no God. And in a lot of, not all, but a lot of atheists might look at it as, so this is a rejection of God. This is a rejection of God. And that goes back to the first conversation or the first question of, is there something beyond atheism? And I think Josh proposes that if there is something, there, there, there's probably something beyond atheism. Is there a God? Is there no God after no God? Like I said earlier, this is going to be a deep, heady theological talk, but think one that is important um, for us to, to deal with. Um, a second question that um, he has that I think is really good is, is God a human construct? Man, I know a lot of people who listen to this who might be Christians might be like, what did he just say? Is God a human construct? I'm going to read what Josh said, and we can, and I'll talk about this. The next step then is to see that all gods are human constructs and that all these constructs become more idolatrous in two ways. First, they become more idolatrous to the extent that their ontological status or the description of their being is made absolute. Think of the urge toward epistemological certainty by way of papal infallibility, Episcopal authority, or the inerrancy of Scripture. And I'll go back if you don't understand some of those big words. I'll throw those out to you in a second. Second, each descriptions of God become more idolatrous to the extent that this God or these versions of God become enthroned on a cultural and political seat of power. Instances here are medieval papal authority, the sovereign God of Calvinism, or the God or the God is a white racist, his words not mine, asshole of Trumpianity. <laughs> um, so going back to the first part, is God a human construct? According to Josh, and I'm not saying I agree with everything that he says, but all all understandings of God are human constructs, whether it's the God of the Bible, whether it's whatever God that isn't any other religion. Josh is proposing that that, that understanding of God, all gods, are... Um, we, we create it. We, we give it name. And since we as humans give it name, therefore that gives it power. Um, and in many ways, it's idolatrous. You know, it says in the Old Testament, it says in the New Testament, um, don't have idols, tear idols down. And one of my critiques, and I agree with Josh on this, one of my critiques is many Christians actually... They don't. They don't worship Jesus. They don't worship God per se. They worship the 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 institution of the church. They they worship the the um what is the the habitual you know going to church every Sunday you know going to services on Easter and and Christmas and you know and all this kind of stuff. And we actually are more 
obsessed with doing these religious things than we are actually about God and understanding who or what God is. Um, and this goes towards the um, epistemological certainty. All that epistemology is is the fancy philosophical word um, for um, the study of knowledge. Um, so epistemology is the the knowledge certainty. When Christians say that, oh, that there is a God, we don't know that we can't say that with certainty. Why we can't say that with certainty? We're not God. We've never seen God. We're always told God is this being, this deity in the sky. So how, therefore, can we say as humans that we really know if God is real? And that's not something to make anyone listening feel, if you are a Christian, to be like, well, Brian's trying to say that there's not a God, or Josh is trying to say that there's not a God. What this is saying is, with epistemological certainty, you, you, you don't know. And I've even said this to some family and friends. I have faith that there is a God, but epistemologically speaking, b- dealing with knowledge, I can't prove that there is a God. And the reason I can't prove that there is a God is because, therefore, that wouldn't be faith, in my opinion. We might have, we might have archaeological evidence that people were crucified, which we do have archaeological evidence. We probably know that there was really the Garden of Eden in, what they say, modern-day Iraq or Iran. So we have things that will say, yeah, we can go back and say, this is probably where this happened, this is probably where that happened. However, we don't know for certainty that there is God, that there is all the stuff that who Jesus said he was. Um, and I think that's why it goes back to faith. The second part, or the other thing is, um, I think he's going on section two of such descriptions of God become more idolatrous to the extent that this God or these versions of God, so whatever version of God you have, so it's this overarching, um, he's not just saying like your one version, but all these versions of God um, that many of us have brought up with. Um, it goes to papal infallibility, Episcopal authority, or the inerrancy of Scripture. So papal infallibility is pretty much saying the Catholic Church. That's how the church was founded. That's where it started, um, was on the Catholic Church. You, you know, if you know any biblical history, it goes, you know, when Peter, when God, when Christ said to Peter, uh, the church is going to be built upon you, Catholics go all the way back and say that's what Peter set up was the Catholic Church. Um, and so the papal infallibility, if you look through, since the Catholic Church has been around, the Pope and not just the Pope, but the papal authority. You talked against it. You raged against it, whatever. You weren't a Christian. You weren't any of this stuff. I mean, we look at what Martin Luther did in, in the 1400s, t- hitting the 95 Thesis against the wall, and it was a direct rejection against that papal infallibility. It, you know. And many in the Catholic Church today, Not, I'm not going to say a broad stroke, but many in the Catholic Church don't think that the Pope is a, a fallible person. They don't think that he really can make mistakes, that he's there literally put on that seat by God himself. Um, so maybe that's why God's a human construct, because we are, we're forming God and our understanding and our notions of God in our own image, and therefore that turns God into a construct, into our human construct. Episcopal authority that just means church authority. How many of us growing up in a church, it does not matter if you're a conservative church 
a liberal church, anywhere in between, a fringe sect. We all, we all, um, what's the word? We all construct our versions of God and Jesus to fit how we want to believe that God. I was raised in the Assemblies of God Church. A lot of you know that. Um, I had a lot of great times growing up, but as the older I got, I realized, and 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 within line with this, I can honestly say that denomination constructed God into the version of what they wanted it to be. I'm part of the UCC. I love the UCC. They're my people. However, they create a version of God, of Jesus, of Scripture that they want for, in order for our understanding or their understanding of God to work. You see where I'm getting with this, everyone? Our understandings of God, we think is, oh, this is from the Bible. This is from this. This is from this. No, it's all these constructs that we have as humans, church, uh, you know, maybe even the Pope historically. And the last thing is the inerrancy of Scripture. We're told, I was told growing up, many of you may be watching, we're told, hey, guess what? You know, the Bible's the living, breathing word of Jesus. This is what we're supposed to have in there. And the inerrancy of Scripture, inerrancy literally means without error. So there's, I was raised in the church that the Bible has no place of error. There's nothing in the Bible that is uh, th- that has an error in it. And of course, many of us, maybe you're watching right now and you're thinking, you have all these things going off in the top of your head like, this is in the Bible. This isn't, I mean, look at like how they treated women. That's an errant, how they had slaves, how, you know, the incest they had in there, the, the rape and murder, um, decimating entire nations out of existence in the name of God. That's an errant that, 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 that is <clears throat> something that really happened. And so Josh is saying in this point of God as a human construct, is these constructs are what are what is why so many people um, need to deconstruct, need to understand how God to so many people, and especially to atheists or agnostics or non-religious people, how this is why um, the belief in no God is 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 so prevalent today. And I'm not saying I'm an atheist, but when you look at just that, these two things that Josh brought up, that how God is a human construct, it's very important to realize none of us can view God without a construct that we put on what God is. Everyone following me? It's pretty deep. We have any comments or anything first? I don't. Hellos. Hellos. Um, and, and, and everyone out there, just if you disagree, send a comment. If you want to wait till the end, that's fine. I know this is super heavy. Welcome to Advent. Um, I think I did not set this up, but Pete Rollins has a thing called Atheism for Lent. Obviously, this isn't um, Lent, but maybe I should just have a thing called Atheism for Advent. Maybe that's <laughs> that's something we could do. Anyway, I'm just kind of being funny there. Um, and so the second part, is if you can follow along with me, and if it gets too deep, just say, Brian, be quiet, stop talking, this is too deep. Uh, God constructs ought to let God be God. Let me follow that with what Josh says here. As long as the God constructs are proper constructs, example, seen as provisional God constructs, these gods can help us 
to think about God properly. For instance, naming Jesus as the Son of God is engaging a metaphorical statement to stir the imagination instead of claiming something factual. Making an ontological claim about Jesus, Jesus' genes, and that the sex in the sex act that produced him. One of the most effective ways of thinking about God, therefore, is to leave God outside our system of thought, outside of our theology, outside of our circle of knowledge, conceiving of God as the, as the unnameable other preserves God as a metaphor, God as the ground of being, which is very Tolikian, um, God as the depth dimension of our searching, God as the one who calls us into being and invites us towards transformation. I love that. That that part, I just absolutely love. Of course, I'm a little theology nerd, but pretty much what that saying, God constructs ought to let God be God. Literally what Josh is saying, and I am trying to say it as best as I can, don't put labels on God. Don't put labels on God. All of us put labels on God or the negation of God. We all do. We're humans. We cannot not put labels on God. We say God is the creator of the universe. We say God is the negation of everything. There is no God. God is, uh, you know, a friend. God is my savior, you know, and that and this, when I'm saying God, I mean Jesus, Holy Spirit, all that combined. And what that is saying, we make we make these statements about these fact, factual statements about, you know, Jesus was born a man. Well, do we know that Jesus was born a man? We say that he was born a man because the scripture was written in a very patriarchal, very male-dominated um, system. And would Jesus have really been um, the savior of the world if he was born with female as a female and with female parts? Um, the best way to think about God, so what Josh says, and I agree with him, is to leave God, our conception and our understanding of God outside of our circle of knowledge. That being said, God is not a concept. God is not a deity that we can name. Once we name God and say, God is this, God is that, God is this, then we make God an idol. Then we say, we know a 100% that God is this, 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 and this. And once you do that, then God is in your image as a person, not in this deity, this cosmic entity that, that I think that we're supposed to um, um, view. And you might be saying, well, how is this atheism? How is whatever? Well, pretty much someone who would look at Josh or myself would say, Brian, you're really drawing the line of... of, of are you, do you believe in God or not? I personally believe in God. However, I do think we need to, and I think Josh would agree with me, we need to understand and believe in God, um, not maybe not believe in God. We need to understand God out of the constructs of human and our own humanness. We can have imagination. We can have creativity on our understandings of that. But once we start naming God, God is this, God is that, God is this, then that becomes idolatrous, then that is the thing that can make it a slippery slope. On how many, if we look throughout history, uh, from Bible times to present, how many things have been done in quote-unquote the name of God? God told me to do this. God told me to do that. I go to the Scripture, and how I interpret, it, interpret the Scripture, 
lets me know that I can do this to other people. I mean, people own slaves and they went back to the Bible and say, see, it says slaves obey your masters. And so people will always use their conception and ideas of who God is to formulate this vision of God. So I would I should maybe have labeled the talk, not atheism and beyond, but um, deconstructing God. And maybe that's another thing I could do, like deconstructing God, um, not to, to say that we need to negate or not believe in God, but to have a God that's unnameable, a God that's untainable, a God beyond our conceptions of knowledge. Hopefully everyone's following there. Um, there's one last part that I want to do, um, which brings us back to atheism. As I said, this is two parts. If I did this as a two-parter or as a one-parter, all of us would, I would probably put you guys to sleep. Um, the last part that I want to say is... Atheism as a necessary God construct. Do you follow me? Atheism as a necessary God construct. Atheism in its rejection of the culture God of Christendom in which a distinction can no longer be made between God the Father and the white colonialist God, Christ the Savior and Christ the settler colonialism, excuse me, has made a brilliant move in the God construct. It has said No to all such constructs. It has crossed out the gods that are part of such constructs. It has done the right thing. And this is Josh again saying, From my analysis, though it is not enough, we are now stuck in a confusing debate in which people who do not make the distinction between God as ground of being and God as a ground of being and God as construct keep fighting each other over the alleged alleged existence of something that is defined in human terms. Of course, all gods of all God constructs exist in the sense that they exist as constructs in a mental space of the mind. That's why this God has wreaked such havoc in the non-Western world. It is all real. If you have deep questions you can about this before I say what I'm going to say, um, send email. Send an email to Revolution Church. Um, MPLS at Gmail. Reach out here. Give me a call. Uh, I want to say before I forget, um, before I dive into this last point, that look at Josh DeKaiser stuff. He's really active online. Find him on Facebook. I'll put him when this is up on the podcast. I'll put um, all of his his stuff online, um, like his Instagram and all that. Go find him. His big thing that he posts all the stuff under is on Instagram, God after or after God's end. I want to say that that's right after God's end. Um, but for that last part, atheism is a necessary God construct. Um, that could be a lot to to deconstruct. But pretty much what I want to say is um, all God constructs exist um, exist in the sense that they exist as constructs in our mental space. So all of our understandings of God, who God is, what God is, what God does, the who, what, where, when, they're all these constructs that are in our mind. And that's not necessarily saying, and in my opinion, it's not necessarily saying that's bad, but you can say that um, that's why God has wreaked such havoc in the world. There's 7 billion people in the world, and we each have our constructs of who, what, where, what, when God is, and so you can see the 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 
some of the evilness that can happen. There's some good out of it that can happen, but you can see how, how that can wreak havoc in the world. And I'm not saying I want to use the term atheism like Josh does. That's one thing you don't, I don't always have to agree with what my friends or what people say, but I feel we need to deconstruct our notions and our understandings of God. We need to, and if that brings you, and I'll say this out here, I've said it on our podcast, I think I've said it at Revolution before as well, that if if you deconstruct God, if you deconstruct your faith, if you deconstruct and that brings you to atheism, and that's where mentally your mind goes, that's fantastic. I'm happy for you. I know not everyone, I know some of my family who might listen to this might be like, Brian, what are you trying to say? I, I'm brutally honest. If you... If if deconstructing, if what I'm saying here, reading Josh's words, if you're saying at the end of this, hey, I don't really believe in God, you you do you. You do you. You have to live with yourself, and if that's where you find hope and peace and, and, and worth, go for it. I've deconstructed my understanding of God, and there's... But I still believe in God, and every day it's it's a it's a battle to say, okay, if on how I view God, is it in this construct? Is it in this construct the way I was raised? Is it in the construct of how my denomination that I still am a part of? Is it in that way? Is it in that way? And it's so. And I, I, you can ask my wife, you can ask any of my close friends. I do not try to speak about God in factual terms. I do not try to speak about God, Jesus, Scripture, in like, I know that this happened, or I I know that this part of Scripture is real or not, because that is a construct. That is, that is saying, I have to believe in God in this way, because if I don't believe in God this way, then where is my faith? And many, many people hold to that. Many people hold to, to this faith of, I have to believe that Jesus died and rose again. I have to believe that there is a hell. I have to believe that there is this. And if you have to believe in that, I'm not here to tell you, you know, poo-poo on that. What I'm trying to say is, you know, we try to deconstruct God so God is not in your image. God is not in your church's image. God is not in in um, the in your interpretation of scripture's image. God is not in the image of the church you were raised in or that you're a part of. And kind of going, what I would say, what Josh said was so beautiful. Let God be unnameable. Let God be unknowable. Because once you start understanding God in unknowable, or as, as I said, Paul Tillich, like Tillichian language of God is the ground of being. God of the ground of being is God is God. God is and Tillich was wonderful. This isn't a, a a Paul Tillich talk. It's more saying the ground of being is the ground of being. God out of out of this ground of being, out of this beingness is God. And Paul Tillich was very careful to understand and talk about God in precise ways. But the the less we have of God in our own image, which is idolatrous, let God be a God that is completely unnameable, completely unknowable. Because in that, and to me right now as a person, I find hope in that. I find immense pleasure in that because in all my understandings of God growing up as a kid, a teenager, being in seminary, 
my whole life, it was always like, God is this, God is this, God is that, God is this, God is this. You can't think of God in any other way. You can't think of Jesus in any other way. And in my head, it was like, but we're putting God in these constructs. Why can't we see that? We're putting God in these boxes, stamping it as a truth epistemological statement and saying, I know that God is this. And at the end of the day, we don't know what God is. We don't know who God is. We can read it in scripture. We can read it in texts that span thousands of years. But at the end of the day, all that these con- all that these understandings of God are, are just human constructs. And maybe that brings you to atheism. I think that's what Josh's point was. Maybe that brings you to atheism. Maybe that brings you beyond atheism, which is also his point. Or maybe it lets you as a person listening to this or reading his his stuff online, maybe that brings you to the point of, I need to deconstruct God because my view of God is is not right, or maybe my view of God is causing myself or others around me to hurt. And to me, I think the core tenet of Christianity is to love others. And if we can love others and be part of this community together, then we're going to do so much better. That's all that I have for now. Part two is going to come next week. I know that this is really heady, really deep. That was partly my point, but it's, and I think I might label this talk um, when it comes out on the podcast, as I've said, if you guys listen to that, is uh, deconstructing God. Because I, I, and don't be afraid of that word. Don't be afraid of deconstructing. Like I said a couple of minutes ago, if that deconstructing leads you to, uh, to a disbelief or unbelief in God, that's you. I mean, go there. Um, if it causes you to have a stronger view of God, great. And if that causes you to have some questions and uncertainty, that's fine. Faith isn't this thing where you wake up and it's this same thing over and over. I tell people all the time, if your view of God hasn't changed from when you were, let's say, a teenager into someone in your 60s and it's remained constant, that's not a good thing. Because we all change as human beings. We change in how we view our, 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 you know, in marriage. We change how we deal with our kids. If we have kids, we we change jobs and think everything changes in our lives. So why doesn't our view of God change? Our view of the Bible change? Our view of church change? And that's something I think so many people are afraid to dis to deconstruct because we're afraid that oh, if I deconstruct this view uh, of Jesus or God or Christianity, then where is my faith? And I guess that's wherever you land, wherever you land on that. If if that is a belief in God, great. Disbelief in God, you do you. Or it's just this unknowingness. You know, sometimes having the unknowingness or doubtfulness is the greatest experience that you can go through. So I'm going to see if anybody else has any comments. I don't know if we lost anybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Amanda's going to come up here. Get on camera, Amanda. Hello. See if anybody has anything. Uh, you have some hellos from your mom and your cousin, Shelly. Oh, hello, everyone. Shelly, you picked a good time to watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a comment from Ray Jackie. To get beyond both theism and atheism is really the task of getting beyond language. That's very true. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest. Uh, thank you, Ray, for saying that because... Um, actually, language is a construct, too. I mean, I'm not saying... every Everything, that whole point what Josh was trying to say is everything is a construct. Everything we have as humans is a construct. Marriage is a construct that humans come up with. 
language is a construct, church is a construct. So if we can get beyond the theism and atheism is is a construct. And so, yeah, it gets to language. I, I get that. But that was a really good point, Ray. You want to read? You want me to read? Go, go for All it. All right. We have another comment from... Curtis. Um, from Curtis. 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 Thanks, Curtis, for this watching. Very good one. And he's got a link on there, too. So anyone uh, wanting to look in more info, you can click on the link um, to read what else is there. If God is unknowable, how are we supported to learn from him what countries he wants us to go to war with. <laughs> President George Bush has claimed he was told by God to invade Iraq and attack Osama bin Laden's stronghold of Afghanistan as part of a divine mission to bring peace to the Middle East, security for Israel, and a state and a state for the Palestinians. Yeah, and Curtis, that was great. I know that was um, more tongue-in-cheek. Oh, and our daughter's here. Um, so if any of you watch, you can see our lovely little, lovely little, um, child. Say hi, Ava. Say hi. Okay. She's trying to She's be quiet. She's practicing her whisper She's voice. She's practicing her whisper. Yes. Um, Curtis, that was really great that, um, you brought that up. And that's just our whole understanding of going back to who or what God is. I know how many presidents or world leaders who quote unquote say that they're Christians, that say God told them this, God told them that. So, yeah, um, when God told George Bush that he needed to invade these countries, let's be honest, it was not God that told told uh, George Bush to go to war. Uh, he told himself and his, his people, his constituents, his whatever, to go to war. That's really what it was. And that's the whole point of kind of going to this is... Um, We'll we'll slap the Bible on it. We'll slap God on it, and we'll say, "Yep, this is what God said. This is what God told me." I just somebody sent me a video. One of my friends on Facebook sent me a video of all these prosperity um, televangelist people who were big Trumpsters, and they had like the weeks and months coming up to the election. They were like, "God told me in prayer and through fasting that." Donald Trump was going to be elected to a second term in office. That's they, they were like, God told me that. Guess what? The American people spoke. Um, yes, 70 million people did vote for Trump, but 80 million people voted for Joe Biden. And now all these people, these prosperity people who were like, God told me this. God told me that Trump was going to be in office and that, you know, abortion is going to be illegal in the land or whatever. Um they now they're like, oh well, it was stolen from us. It was this or this, and see what see what happened is is their construct of God told them they have to view it this way, and now that that construct, their view of God and their understanding of God, um, you know, most of the people you know didn't align up with them. Now they're backtracking and they're saying, oh well, I know God did this. I know God does this. I know God's going to do this. Well, that's their construct of God. They God has to work within their constructs of what who God like the who what where one God is, and if it doesn't fit within that construct, then they're bewildered. They're like, well, "How did this happen?" So Curtis, that was really good. Um, um, yes, Curtis, you said you're correct. It was tongue in cheek. I think I know you well enough where I know that that uh, <laughs> if it's tongue in cheek or not. Um, 
Yeah, so thanks everyone. I mean, it's just some back and forth comments between a couple of people on there. Um, thank you for for everyone um, for watching. I know that this, this is, as I said, really deep and heady, but it was something when I was when I read um, Josh's post earlier this week. Uh, it just hit me right in the gut, and I was like, I have to talk about this because. Uh, some and I texted him right away and I said, "Josh, this was fantastic. This was phenomenal. This is something I need to get out to have people um, who might not know who he is. Some of you who follow Revolution might know him um, since he used to live here in the cities and and, and whatnot. Um, but I just needed to talk about it because this is something that I've been wrestling with, something that I've been." dealing with for a long time with even in my own faith of, of in, in, in deconstruction and deconstruction could be a time in your life, like a week, two weeks, a year, or it could be a long-term thing. It could be decades long of deconstruction and there's nothing uh, wrong or right about that. It's, it just is. Um, so if I can leave you with two cents um, till next week, till we kind of finish up uh the last part of this this conversation is um, over this Advent season because that you know it's all around us. You're going to hear stuff all over the news and TV about uh, Christmas and and all this. And if you go in religious circles about Advent and the you know upcoming birth of Jesus and the hope and grace, and I'm not saying that that's wrong. You know, believe it if you believe it. But maybe during this Advent season, kind of. Try to understand deconstructing God. Try to understand what God, um, what God can look like when we don't name God, when God is not in our image. Because when God is in our image, um, that becomes a slippery slope. And you see how often we do things as human beings, some of us in low positions, some of us as presidents of countries, when we put God in our own image. Um, so... Uh, I don't know if there's anything else. I don't think there's any comments. So, um, so yeah. So, till next time. If I didn't get to your comments, I'm sorry. You can always reach out to me. But till next time, everyone, have a good Sunday, and we'll see you next time. Bye. That was a post-Christian podcast.